Welcome to Stories from Foster Care, a podcast from the Irish Foster Care Association. I'm Neve Barrett, and on today's episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking to Catherine Joyce. For over 35 years, Catherine has been a member of the Irish Travellers Human Rights Movement, winning Person of the Year in 1991 for her contribution to progressing traveller, human, social and cultural rights. For the past 16 years, she's been the co-manager of Blanchardstown Traveller Development Group. She's also a theatre maker and collaborator. This year, she collaborated with Toby Omotezu to produce the film Us for the Project Arts Centre in partnership with RTE Culture. She is a strong advocate for the rights of traveller children, including traveller children in care, and has been a foster carer herself. In the pre-assessment of all children, there was never a question about what is your attitude towards travellers, what is your attitude towards other ethnic minority groups. There was no intercultural, multicultural diversity training for the foster parents. At least we didn't receive it. But I think the dual identity of a child within the placement system, whether they're members of the traveller community or another ethnic minority group, is, is a vitally important to that child because if you were owed the fact that they're from a different culture, well then they're going through that placement for whatever duration they're with you, not knowing that their identity is a positive thing. They're being told by default that their identity needs to be hidden. Myself and Catherine spoke over Zoom and from time to time there was a little bit of audio dropout, so apologies for any dips in audio quality. So, Catherine, you're very welcome to the Stories from Foster Care podcast. Thanks very much, Neve, and thanks for having me. Catherine, could we start at the beginning? Could you tell tell us a bit about yourself? Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yeah, well, I suppose like most travellers, I have a little bit of history of travelling and being nomadic. I was born in Dublin in 1969 and reared in Navan until I was about 13. So my primary school life was in Navan in County Mead. And then at the age of 13, we moved back to Dublin to live on an unofficial site for quite a number of years where we successfully negotiated with Fingal County Council to build a site on the Navan Road for our extended family. So I spent most of my adult life as a young mother on the Navan Road with my extended family. And then again, 14 years ago, we moved back up to County Mead. So I'd like to say that it's home for life, but I'm not too sure about that. But um, I started in, then obviously uh, during those years working with travellers when I was 15 or 16 years of age and have worked continuously on traveller human rights and myself and my husband have worked on a number of different fields and a range of different areas in trying to progress I suppose traveller human rights to a range of different arenas so that's through the arts through community development um, through mobilization protests range of different things and um, I think as you said earlier I represented travellers at a number of different international conferences including the conference against racism and xenophobia in South Africa in uh, 1991. Catherine what got you started in traveller human rights activism like what was the spark or was there one spark? Yeah I suppose when I started the training program first that I started it was a basic community development program I wasn't interested in travellers and because you're a member of the travel community, you don't actually get to examine your life very often as a member of the travel community because you're living it. So unless you have some kind of external influence that either influences that in a positive way or in a negative way, you don't really think about being a traveler every day of the life uh, when you're living on a site or when you're going to school or going to work. 
So the first community development course I've done in 1985, I suppose, was my first exposure to the injustices in society against members of the traffic community, of which I was a part of. And I suppose the, the thing that sparked my mind about most about that was that there was 34 of us in the room and we all had similar experiences of being discriminated against, caught names in the schoolyard, segregation within the school system, living on travel accommodation, the lack of facilities on some of those sites and accommodation. But I suppose more importantly, our experience of discrimination united us all. And some people in that course went on to work within the traveller sector and some didn't. But I suppose my interest once it was spiked, I couldn't turn it off. It was like a light bulb going on saying, we have to do something about this. Now, there were some very influential people at that time in the Dublin Travellers Education Development Group and Minkiers Missley, including um, my uncle and, and his wife, who were members of that. And they'd been out protesting for quite a while in Dublin City Council offices and Fingal County Council or Dublin County Council offices at the time. And to the extent that they chained themselves to walls and like really physical protests that they were involved in. And when I became aware of that, it, I couldn't switch it off. So I just said, look, what's my part in this and where can I play a part in it? So since the age of 15 or 16, you've been an activist mm. in this area. That's amazing. Yeah. You're a very strong voice for the rights of traveller children in care. Catherine, when did that come up for you as, as an area that needed um, particular attention? Yeah, just to say currently, I'm actually the Irish Traveller Movement rep on the Children's Rights Alliance. So it's not just children in care is my interest. Um, I think when we look at accommodation and education and all of those, I tend to do it as well. We tend to talk generically about travellers and the impact on travellers. And we don't decompartmentalise some of the stuff that goes on within the and the effects of it within the community. So how is no accommodation impacting on travellers and how is it impacting on traveller children within that community and society? So I suppose my true human rights has been, I suppose, redirected in a number of different fields, but in particular in relation to looking after the rights of children within the travel community and looking at sustaining progress where they can actually interact in mainstream education, mainstream employment opportunities, but that they can see that that's an option, that it's not something that they have to fight for all the time, that there is real opportunities created for travellers to engage in mainstream society, communities and in education. I currently sit on a group that's reviewing the curriculum in this primary school and secondary school, post-primary, to look at including and inserting aspects of the travel culture into the mainstream curriculum. So I've, uh, I suppose, a, a vast area. In relation to children in foster care, I suppose my interest was stemmed out of my own experience of fostering children. And I've done that for a long time as a kinship carer. So we had, my mother and father died, unfortunately, when they're quite young. So because I was the eldest girl in a family of 14, we had taken on, with the support of the extended family, we had taken on to look after my mother's children. The youngest at the time was 13 and the oldest was 17, going on 18 years of age. So we, I suppose myself and my husband, took on to look after them. It came to a stage where we actually had to go to court and get a legal document to say that we were the the carers for, for these four uh, siblings who were left behind. But I mean, the reality for us was we were doing that as the sister, the other sister and, the, and the, the, my husband who was married to me. We were doing that within our own uh, setting. So I suppose my lived experience of caring for children down through the years, so not just for belonging to my mother and father, 
members of our extended family on and off have come to live with us sometimes for years sometimes for six months sometimes for three months sometimes for more than two years and we've always i suppose made our home open to members of our extended family to that if they needed some more that they could come to us and on one occasion we had a member of the settled community come and stay with us for three months she was homeless for three months and she was a good friend of one of my daughters and she had really nowhere to go and she came and lived with us on the site for just over three months and so we took her in then we moved to outside dublin we moved to county mead and one of my sisters had an issue with substance abuse and other issues and she was subject to domestic violence and other things were going on with her but i could see that the children were being put in very vulnerable situations so they had come to live with me voluntarily first and then she took them back and then they came to live with me and we had to get a court order in place so we became the legal fostering parents for three of our children over the course of the years the youngest when we took the youngest was only six months old i suppose my activism around children in care really didn't stem until we were outside the fostering situation when we we had completed our fostering of those children and i suppose it stemmed from some of the negative experiences that we had as foster carers of children and i was trying to look at was there other people out there in the traffic community that experienced this level of frustration and and but i suppose where my interest came was about how do you make it easier not just for the people who are fostering children but for the children who are going through the care system so i suppose that's where my focus came and i started to develop a pack which would be delivered it was an intercultural anti-racist training pack for carers for social workers for the link workers the gals all of the people who were involved in the care of children from the travel community who were in care what would you say that foster care set foster cares from the settled community taking a traveler child into their care like what what do they what do we need to understand but I think the most important thing, and I've done this in one of the articles I've done for the journal, I think it's about looking after and minding and protecting the dual identity of a child when they're in care, when they're from the traffic community. Because yes, we're white, we're Irish, and in some cases we live in houses, but we're also got a whole heritage and culture that is different to that of the settled community. Um, so I suppose the most important thing for me would be that there is an obligation, not just a willingness, but there's an obligation for them to look at how they will take care of the dual identity of children who are in care. I've had some really, really bad experience of listening to not just traveller children themselves, but foster parents who are not travellers saying that they had child in their care and ex wanted to cut their hair so they didn't look like a traveller anymore or somebody else wanted to change their second name and drop a name because they didn't want to be associated with members of the travel community and those things were being facilitated not just by the carers but also by the the services that were linking in with them so they were approving these measures which to me seemed like an erosion of their cultural identity and maybe that was because the child associated them being placed in care with the fact that they were a member of the travel community but not all children who were in care are members of the travel community so how do you manage to cater for the appropriate placement of a child but also looking after their identity and i use the example like if a child from a, a black or an african community ended up in care they wouldn't try to wash that child white so why would you try to wash the identity of a travel child out of them and we have lots of experiences of travelers coming out of care not all of them negative, but most of them coming out not knowing 
that they were members of the traveller community when they were in the placement and then in some cases when they did find out that being a negative experience for them. So are you advocating for like everybody to be educated on the need for some link back into that child's cultural identity uh, as a traveller and and for that to be an education that's rolled out to everybody involved in the care of the child? Yeah, well, I'm delivering the training, Eve. I do it like, I mean, I, I do it in a way that not negative and I don't try and enforce my ideology on, on foster parents what I try and do is give an input and give them options for making life easier for them as foster carers but also for the child that's in their care system so I was saying to them like if you went to South America to Cuba or wherever and you were adopting a child or fostering a child from that region and bringing them back to Ireland some of the basic things that you would do is find out a little bit about the culture where it is geographically on the map the kind of foods that they eat, customs, beliefs, value systems. If there was regional differences within the country, you'd maybe look at what they were. You might incorporate them into your home. You might just put little symbols of that reflect their life from the country that they came from throughout your, your home and through your books and the, 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 the stuff that's in the, in the thing. Why can't we do that for traffic children? Why can't we make the placement, whether it's for three months, whether it's for three years, or whether it's for the lifetime of the, the, the child in care, why can't we make them placements more culturally appropriate and more culturally visible for the child that's in the care system? I think the other detrimental fault is in, or flaw that's there is that in the pre-assessment of all children, parents, like we had to do it as foster parents when we were taking on our, our, my siblings' uh, children, there's a pre-assessment process and it's a long, odious process in terms of trying to get there. Now, I know it's changing and people are making it more easier, but within the whole context of that, there was never a question about what is your attitude towards travellers? What is your attitude towards other ethnic minority groups? There was no intercultural, multicultural diversity training for the foster parents. At least we didn't receive it. Okay, there might have been little snippets of it throughout the throughout bits of literature and all of that kind of stuff, but there was no real assessment of what our views were or what we were going to be doing from that point of view in terms of looking at, and I know health and safety is a priority. I know having a safe home, a place where they can sleep, I know all of that is important. But I think the dual identity of a child within the placement system, whether they're members of the travel community or another ethnic minority group, is, is a vitally important to that child. Because if you were owed the fact that they're from a different culture, well, then they're going through that placement for whatever duration they're with you, not knowing that their identity is a positive thing. They're being told by default that their identity needs to be hidden. So yeah. I suppose my thing is that there needs to be changes, significant changes in the pre-assessment phase, but also in terms of across the board, not just with the foster parents, link workers, social workers, the, the, the guardians are like them, anybody, judges, anyone that has a role in making a decision about this child's placement need to be involved in intercultural anti-racist and cultural diversity training. You're listening to the Stories from Foster Care podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Catherine, when you're maybe hearing stories of how children have fared, traveller children have fared in in care placements, what how does that racism show up or how do those misconceptions show up? As I said, Neve, it's not sometimes that it's built in deliberately that that racism mm. is there and it's it, it's expressed. But if you have a child that's in placement and they like one case of, of a scenario where the child was in a placement and they were never told they were a member of the traveller community, 
and a traveller woman would come to the house every week or every second week. And that child was in the room when this traveller woman was being brought in. And the, the, the woman would give her a cup of tea and she'd give her a cup of coffee or whatever. She'd have a chat and maybe they'd exchange needles for a bit of bread or whatever it would be, tea bags and sugar. And this went on for a long time while this child was in placement. And it turned out that that child was actually looking at her own grandmother for the length of time that she was in the placement of this person. So when she was told that she was a member of the traffic community, she was let off at the end of the road so she could run into the site and she was picked up at the end of the road. Like it was always, there was always a negative difference about travellers and second people within that child's experience. There was another traveller, young fella that came to me and it was literally the day he came out of the care system. And I was finishing up work in town. I was working with the Irish traveller movement at the time. And he came to the door and he was looking for information. I said, look, I'm literally going out the door. Can you come back? And he said, look, I just want to explain who I am. So he told me his name, that he was just out of care. He was reared with settled people. His experience in care was quite positive. He had a good education and, and seen the values of that. But he came out the door and was just told that he was a member of the traffic community. And that was it. And he was looking for me. It was like a sponge. He was looking for information about who travellers were, where they live, what's their culture different than the culture he was reared in. Where would his family, extended family be? Now, because of the geographical locations of different family member names, I was able to guide him. And I said, if you don't get somewhere there, come back to me and whatever else. I hadn't heard from him since. And I couldn't even repeat his name because I can't remember his name. It was that long ago. But his whole thing was that he came out of the care system. And now he has this identity that he never knew was part of his life. And he said, I literally feel like I'm standing with me two legs on two stools. And I'm in the middle of it. I don't know where I'm going to fall. Yeah. And that was the, the, his experience, even though he had a positive placement and experience when he was coming out of the care system, it got quite negative for him. And we know for a lot of travellers who were in the care system who come out after a couple of years in care, they have quite similar experiences of that. Now, we see other traveller children and parents literally erode their identity. Like I heard of one grandmother when she went to on, a, on a family visit, the child's hair was cut from being waist length up to the shoulder and she didn't look like a traveller child anymore. She didn't dress like a traveller child anymore. Now, I'm not saying that foster parents deliberately set out to do that. Maybe it's about helping them to blend in more with people that they associate. But by default, what they were doing was eroding that child's culture. Yeah. And what's underlying it is a kind of uh, an impression wherever it comes from that that this culture needs to be eroded it needs to be yeah. watered down no matter the motivation you know towards the child that is what's underlying it yeah and i think the other thing and i would say this about anybody that's brought up in irish society you cannot go to the irish society and live in this country and not have negative opinions about travelers because you don't hear anything positive in school what you hear in the media particularly the red line banner newspapers is all negative so if you're constantly living with that in your mind and you're brought up from a very young age as a settled person and you go on to be an adult and foster travel children, that is in that back of your mind somewhere that mm. these is who travellers are because you've never had the positive experience of the travel community. How can you teach something you've never had? And if you're not aware of those assumptions, then you'll just keep you'll just yeah. keep playing them out. Yeah. yeah, and I think the other thing that for, for me is important that I'm not saying that this is the responsibility solely of the, of, the, of the foster parents to go and do your homework. I'm not saying that the foster parents. What I'm saying is it should be inbuilt into 
any possible placement that's there or coming up. So anybody that's already fostering travel children, there should be compulsory training for them. Anybody that's coming into foster travel children, they should be inducted into anti-racism, intercultural and a cultural awareness session on who the travel community is. And I would say this and stress it, Neve, it's vitally important that the people who are doing that training would be skilled and equipped to do it because you don't want members of the travel community coming in, telling people that we live in wagons most traveller children, even my own children and grandchildren, wouldn't associate being a traveller with being living in a wagon. So the people who are delivering this training need to be able to talk about contemporary traveller culture and they need to be able to deliver that training in a way that gives and equips the foster parents and the children who are in care with skills to do that coping with the dual identity bit. So if if I was a foster carer and I was taking a, a child into my care tonight, say a traveller child, if there was one or two things you could tell me, what would they be? I would say, first of all, look out for the child, because even within the travel communities, we're such a diverse and complex community. Not every one of us is the same. The Collinses might have different culture or, or customs and beliefs and value systems than the Joyce's or the McDonald's or whoever it is. So I'd say get to know the family, the extended family of that particular group and, and look at what is common to them or what is normal to them. Um, I would say that go and look at getting information and there is loads of books and loads of stories and loads of positive images out there about travellers. Go and look at what's best for your home that you could incorporate into your life without it being, well, there's the traveller shelf over there. Let's go and pick something up there so we can sit down with little Johnny and read it. What can you incorporate into your lifestyle, um, image-wise, visually, uh, audios, films, plays, whatever it is, that will allow this child that's in our placement to be able to see a positive reflection of their identity and how do you nurture that within the placement? Travellers are not 0.5% of the national population. So we're about 40,000 people in total or a little over that. So it's important to, to, to understand that 7% of all the children that are in care in this country are members of the travel community. So we have to examine why those children end up in care why they end up in long-term care arrangements as opposed to short-term and back with their extended family or with grandparents or kinship carers. Um, and we also have to look at the legacy that's there from when institutional institutions were around in this country where traveller children ended up in derelossery and places like long-term residential care, like derelossery, where they never came back to their traffic community but were brought up in, in institutional care systems and care homes. So I think w- when we're thinking about traveller children in care, it's not just about them being in placement with the, the parents that they're in or the foster parents that they're in placement with, but we have to look at the legacy of how we actually got to the situation where placement of travel children in state care or in the care of second people evolved and developed as well over the years because I think that's led us to where we're at today. It's very concerning when you look at the statistics and the numbers. All of our statistics are high, like suicide is higher in the travel community, infant mortality rate is higher. But I think the fact that the, these children are being brought up in an identity that's different to their own is very, very striking and very concerning to somebody like me and other people in this field. So this, there's a piece of research to be done as to how traveller children are ending up in care in the way that yeah. they are, in the numbers that they are. I have a colleague here in Blanchardstown working with me, Siobhan Nocter. She's actually doing a piece of work on that. I think it's her master's on, on that whole issue of travel children in care. And I've been facilitating some of the direction of the questions that she might ask, but she's going out and asking uh, members of the travel community about their lived experience, but also um, some of the state services about how these things evolved and happened. 
The other side of it, Catherine, might be just to ask you, like, are, do many traveller couples or families actually foster? Uh, you mentioned relative care and kinship care, but are there are there other ways in which traveller families foster that you're aware of? Or, or is that something that needs to be developed? Well, there is a traveller children in care service and a specific service working with the traveller community to help recruit members of the traveller community. So there are at least culturally appropriate placements. And I'm not directly involved in them because that's a whole other field of work that they're involved in. But I know that they have been actively looking and seeking for members of the traveller community to come forward. And they've made their information and their materials much more accessible to members of the traveller community. Like when I started caring, for my siblings, it was a case where they were looking for the, the man and woman who were going to be looking after these children or whoever. But now we have a situation where individuals can foster children. I have a couple that live quite close to me where I live in County Mead and they're a gay couple and they're fostering three traveller children. So there's loads of different types of family arrangements that are being looked at mm-hmm. for the care of traveller children. But I think as important as having a placement for a child, it's as important to have somebody that is put in, put in place where they're actually being minded and safeguarded. As I said to you earlier on, um, Neve, we have members of the traffic community that have very different customs and beliefs and, and families differ across the, 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 the country. So it's important, mm-hmm. even if you are a member of the traffic community, that you incorporate some of the traveller child's background into the future of their placement with you. And that responsibility is there for travellers the same way as it's there for settled people. Know the families that they come from, know some of the customs, beliefs and value systems that they come from and look at how you would incorporate that into the child's placement. Catherine, what did yourself and your husband take from your years of fostering about, about the system? I know you've touched on it, but is there anything that you learned through that experience that that you would still like to see change still that that maybe hasn't changed yet that needs to change i think if you were to ask what our experience was it was both positive and negative we weren't voluntarily putting ourselves out to be foster parents for any of these children that came to us we took them out of necessity and we'd probably do that same again so we weren't voluntary looking for to to foster children if you like so our circumstances was a little bit different and we felt our responsibility back to the children from our extended family was important and that it was important that them children were kept within the extended family in all cases. So I, I suppose from that point of view, it's a little bit different anyway. But I think the thing that we, we the negative aspects of it was that the, the turnover in social workers that came to visit our home was was very time consuming on us as parents, foster parents. We also had our own four children and we had grandchildren during the time in which we had uh, foster children with us, living with us. But that was very time consuming. And the fact that we felt like we were educating every single one of them that came to us, there was no such thing as a situation where we were able to sit down with a person and say that we were happy that they understood what travellers were or who travellers were. So that was very time consuming. I would like to see that changing. And I would like to see that at least if they're not fluent in what travel culture is about, because you won't ever get to know it all, that they at least understand what intercultural and anti-racist placements for travel children is. And that they're coming with that basic information when they're looking at doing the assessments and the meetings and the visits and all of that kind of stuff. The other thing I think for us was very daunting was the fact that the rights of the child are, are paramount. And I understand that and see that. But sometimes that child can be influenced by other people in their lives. And I think our role as foster parents, we felt that our role was diminished once we got the state services involved in the care of the children and 
care routers in place because prior to that we had a, a level of uh, i suppose trust and understanding within our extended family mm. that allowed us to tell children like my mother's children that wasn't questioned to the same extent that the questions from the social workers were coming. So I think that can be very daunting for any parents, not just travel parents, well, foster parents, but any foster parent that's coming into placement. I think you need to make sure and reassure foster parents that you're there for them as well. And I know that the link workers role is to do that, but the link workers that are coming to us don't know a whole lot about members of the travel community and what it's like to live in a travel cultural context. So if they're coming with their settled white prejudiced views, well, then that's not going to help me as a foster parent if I'm a member of the travel community and the children that I'm working with are in placement are members of the travel community. So I think that that needs to change. The one thing that I would like to see changed for travel children who are in care, I would like some kind of a program put in place when that child is 13 or 14, because once that child hits 15 years of age and they decide they don't want to live in the placement anymore, it's a tedious role about getting that child back or letting that child go. I would like to see some kind of a program put in with travel children where at 14, that they maybe start to talk about travel culture and identity from the social workers duty of care perspective and that they have a program in place i call it a memory box but it doesn't have to be called that but that you put symbols of that child's life into this box you give them information about their extended family about who travelers are and that you gather pieces of information that's relevant to their own experience within the the placement that they're in so who their foster parents were and why they were placed there that kind of information so when they leave that they're a little bit more equipped to be able to go and do a bit of research themselves and to find out how they build links back up because it is about building links back up with the extended travel community and um, unfortunately some of the travel children who come out of care and placement who've never experienced in a positive way they come with the prejudice and discrimination and the views that settled people have brought them up with in the placement so they have to decontaminate the brain about some of that opinions that they've created or developed or that has been allowed to develop by the replacement. So I call it a memory box, but it could be called something else, but some kind of a, a, a plan of exit uh, or an exit strategy for the children who are in placement. So they're not just exiting the care placement, but they're exiting the culture that they were brought up in and they're introduced to the culture that they're from. Like the, it's just a really big piece of education that needs to happen across the board, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and Catherine, are you aware, are there groups or are there uh, places that, that traveller children who are exiting care can go to, to meet other children and young people like themselves? Are you aware of anything like that, that children can access? Not, not that I'm aware of, yeah. that a one-stop shop to where they can go to. There are traveling uh, children in care programmes. And there are organizations out there across the country working with people. I don't have a comprehensive list of them, but there are groups out there that are looking at um, travel children in care. And there are local travel organizations in almost every county in Ireland. So if the travel child wanted to contact the county and say they came to me in Blanchettstown and I didn't know that extended family, I might be able to ring somewhere that might have information about who the travelers in that area are. I always refer the foster parents that come to my training session to the Irish Traveller Movement website because they have like a map of Ireland and they have a list of organisations and their phone numbers and all of that within that. I would also ask or suggest that traveller children who are in care would be linked into some of the programmes that are available in most counties in Ireland through the Traveller Pride Week 
programs. So mm-hmm. sometimes they're national events and sometimes they're local events. So out here in Blanchestown this year, we had one where we had a, a graduation for participants on a program. We had the launch of our website. We had a planting of a tree for people who died young or died by suicide. We had a gig in the cobblestone. So there's a number of events through Traveller Pride Week events that happen in local areas that people could link into. And they could bring children and their own children, not just the Traveller children, to some of the events that happen around the country. There's also fairs that are very um, easily identifiable with the members of the traveller community, like Ballinasloe, the Book Fair, places like that where travellers would frequent in terms of annual visits or places like that. I think those things could be linked as well. But I think most important advice that I would give a foster parent, if you're not sure, just link in with the Irish Traveller Movement or some of the national organisations, and they will be able to direct you to some local organisation that might be able to support you in your area if you have children who are in care from the Traveller community. But as I said earlier on, Niamh, it's important that the groups that are given this information, that they're given information that's accurate, that's up to date, that's contemporary. Because the last thing a foster parent needs to be told is stick a wagon, a picture of a wagon on the wall, and that will help you with your cultural diversity. That will not help. A lot of travellers don't associate with living in wagons. Even though it is a rich part of our heritage and our past, it's not something that's contemporary today. So I think that you need to learn a little bit about the language, about the customs, the beliefs, the value systems, and then there's also the parish of travelling people. There's other groups like that around the country that you could link in with if you have a child or they're coming out of the care system. But I think the most important thing for any child coming out of care, don't be afraid to ask for information. I have had a number of occasions when I was doing sessions, asked foster parents if there's a couple of them in a catchment area. So let's say if I'm in Galway or Sligo doing a session, I'd say, look, could you not find out about the social workers if there are other families who are fostering travel children? And maybe just organise a sports event, mm. event, a day in the Plex, a day in park, where you were bringing the travel children together so all the children can play together. I mean, children don't have prejudice. They're, they're, they're taught them. So I think if the parents of travel children can um, do that collectively with their own children, if they have them, and the members of the travel community and link them in, but give them space to be with the travel children as well. That, that's great. There's a there's a lot of possible pathways there, Catherine. And it sounds like it's just for for foster carers to to begin somewhere on behalf of the children in their care, to reach out to the, the Irish Traveller Movement, for example, or the parish of travelling people and just just start somewhere. On the yeah, path. and I've said this before, I don't think foster parents set out to be excluded, excluded mm. traveller culture and identity. I think a lot of it is that they're afraid to say, how do I do this or how do I start? that but there are groups out there to assist them in that you don't need the information before you take a travel child but what you do need once you're aware that that child is a member of the travel community you need to look at ways and building in positive images of culture and identity to reinforce positive stories and messages as i said there are a lot of books and curriculum i know mary i don't Mary Ian Limerick uh, done a lot of books for primary school level and preschool level and they've jigsaw puzzles and stuff like that Things like that that all the children can play with, play with. It doesn't have to be just travel children. Catherine, it's been really great to talk to you, and it's just a, you know, you've been such a, such an activist for so long, and you know, it's so clear what needs to happen, and hopefully those resources will will come about. But certainly, people like yourself are really a great resource for for people caring for for children from the traveling community. So thank you so much. Um, I'm sure there's people listening who have found this really helpful and have some ideas of where to go next. Is there anything you'd like to say before we finish up? 
You know, the only thing I would, I, I suppose, from my point of view is I have a concern about the, the volume of travellers that are in the care system, children are in the care system, mm. the length of time that they spend in care. So as foster parents, what I would say to anybody out there, whether you're a member of the travel community or the settled community, if you're fostering a travel child, it doesn't matter if they're three or if they're 15, if you're fostering a travel child, please see it as your duty of care to look after their dual identity while they're in your placement. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks very much. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. That was a really powerful conversation with Catherine. She recommended reaching out for more information to organisations such as the Irish Traveller Movement, the Parish of the Travelling People, or her own organisation, Plantardstown Traveller Development Group. Also, keep an eye out for Traveller Pride Week, which takes place around June or July of each year. Thanks for listening.